the five stages of grief are something that I've been going through lately that I want to begin this podcast with. First, there's denial. You just pretend it didn't happen. Next is anger, a variety of emotions where you express it to people around you and people think you're about to become unhinged. Next is bargaining. You begin to negotiate and find ways to see if it really could change, even though it's already happened. The next step is depression, where it finally sinks in and it crushes you emotionally. The final stage is acceptance, where you finally come to grips with reality of what happened. And I think yesterday, I finally came to grips with the loss to San Jose State in 2000. I'm sure I'll get over the loss to Iowa State 17 years from now. This is the Frogcast. We have, uh, this is our first show of the season following a loss. I don't think any of us would have thought that it would be coming from the Iowa State game, but I also don't think any of us thought that we would be 7-0, seven, seven and oh, let alone 7-1. and one. So we have, we have a lot that we're going to rehash tonight. We're going to try to be positive. We're also going to kind of let some things vent. We're going to get some objective observations the best that we can, as well as get some feedback from fans and see where things are at this time. I want to just kind of begin by saying, you know, we're going to do everything we can to be positive about players. We're not going to dog on people, but we got to tell the truth about what happened yesterday, and that's going to to be a little uncomfortable at times. So we just want to start with with my dear friend and sweet prayer partner, Jeremy Clark. Jeremy... How frustrating was it to watch, rewatch, listen, hear the story, watch what happened? Just give us give us your first take of the Iowa State loss. Well, first off, I'm going to go back and tell the guys to go back and listen to previous podcasts because this guy right here was worried about this game for several weeks. Um, not because I always just thought TCU was just bound to lose a game. It's just because I thought Iowa State was – playing some pretty good football for them to go on the road and beat Oklahoma the way they did. That was a good win. Then they, then they beat Texas tech last week. That was a good win in Lubbock. I knew they were a pretty good football team, but it was just one of those crazy games. It was very frustrating. And I made a joke about it on our, uh, my snap judgments after the game Uh, for anyone that was looking for Kenny Hill. He had his picture on the milk carton. Everyone was looking for that Kenny Hill from last year. He's been missing for, what, 10 months since January when he played in the Liberty Bowl game and, and didn't really have a good game. That Kenny Hill reappeared yesterday in Ames, Iowa. I mean, I, I'm not going to put the entire uh, blame on Kenny Hill's shoulders, but there was a big part. You cannot turn the ball over two times inside your uh, opponent's five-yard line. You can't make bad throws like he did yesterday. Uh, the play calling was pretty suspect. I, there was there were some there's some times where the the running backs were just really getting some good yardage between Kyle Hicks and Darius uh, there in the first half, there in the third quarter, especially in the fourth quarter where you thought, okay, there shouldn't be anyone else touching the football except Kyle and Darius Anderson. That's, that's plain and simple. No other, no other t- uh, guy on offense should be touching the ball because those guys were running the football as hard as they could and getting yardage. But yeah, just, just overall, just disappointing. Of course, this is, it, it, it gets that way because I predicted a 10 and two season. Okay, I I predicted they would lose to Oklahoma State. That was that was a win they obviously had. I predicted they would lose to Oklahoma, and it's still yet to be seen what's going to happen in that game. But losing to Iowa State's not as bad as it seems. I mean, they they're a good football team, and look look at today's AP poll that came out. They're number fourteen. TCU only fell six spots, and everyone that watched that game, I kept I kept telling my friends, if you just watched that game and didn't know what the score was, you would have thought TCU won by a lot. They made so many mistakes, and I'm, I'm rambling here. There's just a lot to talk about, but they made so many mistakes, and they lose by seven points to a, a team that's rated number 14 in the country. For them to, I'm looking at the bright side. I'm, look, I'm looking at the silver lining, fellas. Now, they can't go out there and play that way against Texas. Obviously, they can't play that way against Oklahoma. Or Baylor, for crying out loud, even though Baylor hasn't won a game and they, and they dang sure can't play that way against Texas Tech. The silver lining is there's still four games left. They're number 10, and there's still a lot of football left to be played for them to get back into the uh, playoff picture. But right now, I, you know, they should all just be focusing on Texas. 
Sorry for the long-winded no, answer. No, that's all right. I'm, my, my church is used to long-winded answers all the time. I, I accept it. Uh, Jeremiah, you know, we had our tech, we had our phone in our text thread going all through this game, and it was just like a, it was more depressing as as as, as each uh, minute turned on the clock. You know, Jeremiah, Jeremy kind of shared his heartfelt guttural response to this. What are one or two keys that that you saw? If you repeat repeat what he said, that's fine. That. Just, just made you kind of grit your fist and say, man, I can't believe this is happening. This is going to hurt us here. You know, I, I think early on you could just kind of tell it wasn't going the Frogs' way. I mean, every little bounce was going Iowa State's way. Um, every time TCU would reel off a big run or a big play, it would come back on a penalty. Um, you know, when's the last time Austin Slotman had four holding calls? I mean, it just it was just a weird game. Never. Yeah, never. And <laughs> It, there and I'm gonna say I'm I'm not the guy that comes in after a game and says oh the refs blew the I'm I am gonna say there were some very suspect calls and and Gary uh, even alluded to that after the game um, he didn't come out and say that specifically but he's he had some questions about some of the calls um, you know but it, it comes down to execution I mean uh, you've got to execute and they didn't get it done inside the red zone multiple times turn the ball over. Uh, another time, drive killer, you know, the ball was snapped when Kenny's looking around. Uh, just, you know, receivers and the quarterback not on the same page. Like I said, penalties. I mean, for crying out loud, the defense held Iowa State to 40 total yards in the second half. You know, I mean, it's not like, I mean, the defense played lights out. They had a pick six that was returned. Um, like Jeremy said, you can go on and on if you just start listing off the things that happened that just, it was just a weird feeling all day long. And, you just you didn't feel very confident when it came down to that last drive, and Kenny had to drive him down. You know, um, I too questioned why uh, you go away from Kyle Hicks and Darius Anderson that are just ripping off big run after big run. I mean, Iowa State was tired; they weren't able to tackle those guys. They were getting 12, 15, 20 yards on their runs. So, um, you know, they combined for what was it, 190 or 180 yards on 24 carries, and uh, they should have had another five or 10 carries each, if you ask me. But I'm not the offensive coordinator, and I'm not on here to, to bash Sonny Cumbie. He's done a great job this year, but I just felt like, uh, you know, a lot of some points were left on the field. It was a really sloppy football game, and it was probably probably the most frustrating game I've watched in I couldn't even tell you how long. Even counting last year's games, this this was a tough one to swallow. You take the pick six when Matt Boson kind of creeped off sides. You take the two red zone uh, turnovers that should have been touchdowns. That's 28-14. And that, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a huge road win. And even if we just get two of those three, that's, that's 21-14. Man, watching that defensive effort be wasted was so heartbreaking. That was one of the most dominating defensive efforts I have ever seen us put up. And this is a good team. I, you will not hear me say one thing to uh, – to speak ill of Iowa State, this is a really good team, and uh, we wasted an amazing defensive effort because we weren't able to stick the ball in the end zone. Oh man, Daniel, keep me sane here. What did you see that was? Is there anything we're celebrating out of this? What do you see that's positive? What's a takeaway that we can use to kind of pivot toward the Texas game here? I got a few more things we're going to rehash, but I, I know you're always just like a, a blanket of sunshine. So, what, what's something that we can take away from this game? Is is uh, is people that follow the program? Uh, well, I'm a little under the weather, so or at least I feel like it, so I won't be as long-winded. But uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love, love it. it. I approve. I approve. All right. I'm. I'm still. Go ahead. I'm still miserable from it. It was just. It was. Jeremiah didn't. Can't remember how long. I. I, I don't think. Maybe Utah, 2008, was the last time I've probably been that frustrated. Um, I think that's when that was, wasn't it? Um, yes, that was Utah 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremiah was at that game. Yep, that's why we lost. Yeah. And like last season was frustrating, but we weren't any good. So it was just kind of like whatever, but this time really good. And I don't know what happened. It's just, it's bizarre. The play calling was, was weird. Kenny was just, just didn't look like he had much, um, not to say that he's bad. There's been a lot of that going on, and I don't want to be <clears throat> associated with that because um, he still won his seven games. So uh, it's just, it's just, I don't know. But 
I'm, I used to be all about Ohio or thinking Iowa State was a cool place, cool team. To hell with them, man. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, well, Jeremy, Jeremiah, I want to put you guys on the hot seat here. I want to. I got a couple of questions that have been burning in my chaw for about 30 hours here. So, let's go. Do we kill the stupid wild frog? Yes or no? Yes. Jeremiah, please, please, please. Yes. I know. Look, I know Shaywo scored some points. He scored some touchdowns on that. But everybody in the stadium knows what you're going to do when you're running that play, and it's not good for more than a yard. It's been stone-cold stuffed multiple times now. I did like the little wrinkle seeing Darius run it, but even then, they're running it off the right guard every single time. I just feel like, I don't know, I, I just feel like that is not a play that needs to be automatically put in as soon as you get into the like inside the five-yard line. To me, if you get to inside the five-yard line, you've been running the ball, just stay with your offense and just run it in. Kyle Hicks and Darius Anderson, even Shaywell in, in a regular handoff. I mean, those guys, any of those three can get it in there. You don't have to get tricky with it. Just keep running your offense. Unless they start letting Shaywell throw a football, then it's it's going to be killed, like Jeremiah said, every time. Because everyone in the stadium knows where it's going. Um, they ran a reverse to Rager one time out of it, and I think that got a couple yards. But every other time, it's just been Shaywell. It's almost like – Hey kid, we promise if we get down within the two yard line, it's going to be your ball. I mean, we, we it's like, man, they, w- what was what was the promise made? I, I'm I'm really not sure, but uh, I mean, it's just it's just not working anymore. I, and I know that Shaywo's a good, hard six three, two hundred twenty five pound hard runner, but I mean, it's 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 ran its course. It really has. I I, I think everyone defensively knows what's coming and. When you can't get any kind of, uh, I guess, movement along the offensive line, I mean, that's that's going to hurt it too. And that's part of the problem because everyone knows the play's coming, so they just blow up all the gaps. And it's it's a disadvantage for the offensive linemen when you, when you think about it because no matter what, no matter how hard they block, they're going to fill the gaps where they know the ball is going to be ran and it's just going to get blown up. And, it, and we've all seen it. Everyone that's – been watching TCU football the last few weeks has seen that that, that formation is just no longer working. I feel like when we get inside the seven, we become uh, less Miles LSU. That we just, you know, it's like the equivalent of that old toss, that toss lead that they used to run, except they do it out of the wild frog. That's got to come to an end. I just, there's, like you said, you just put 11 guys, put 11 guys in the box. Everybody and their cousin knows what's going to come out of it. And you can't run a reverse at the six. That's just not how, you know, the spacing and everybody gets so cramped in there. When you get, when you get tight inside the, the, the red zone like that, things are, are so much harder to move with. So we, we do what got you there. Do what got you down into the red zone. And I feel like two times, because you had the, the wild frog, we had that play action. What what was your take on the what what play were we even trying to run in that spot, Jeremiah? Because that was another frustrating uh, moment where you know obviously the ball gets fumbled, obviously we're not ready for it, and that I mean that was just a frustrating moment that kind of was a, a snapshot of the game in my opinion. I'm not sure if they were trying. I know earlier in the game they tried to go go to Cole Hunt in the end zone, so I'm not really sure what they were. I don't think they were looking for a fade on that play. Um, but I just think there may be some overthinking going on. Um, I, again, I've never stood on the sideline of a, of a division one football game with the weight of the world on my shoulders on what play I'm going to call, what formation, what, you know, what personnel I'm going to use. Um, but you know, other people do it and they make a lot of money to do it. So, but I'm not going to question that. I am, I am just going to say, don't overthink it. You know, if your offense is plowing, if same thing in late in the game, why switch to a prevent defense? If you're shutting them down all game long, just keep playing your base defense. Like if if you're running the football the whole game, don't change it inside the red zone. Just run over their ass and get inside the end zone. It's that Ooh, simple. Oh man, I heard Tell that. Worked up on that one. Guys. No, no, keep it in there. Keep yeah. that in there. That's no, the, that's the problem with them doing that play action pass inside the five is the offensive line really wasn't blocking well on on play action passes yesterday. And the first one where Jeremiah mentioned where he was, where Kenny was trying to hit Cole and Cole was there, but Kenny literally had to throw it as soon as he got the snap and did the little fake handoff because no one, I mean, Cordell had a, had a really tough game after watching the game yesterday, uh, replay Cordell had a really tough game yesterday. Austin had a really tough game. The middle was getting eat up 
by I mean Iowa State was doing a great job eating up that middle and the play action just wasn't going to work it just it especially down near the goal line I probably would have like I said I'm not going to I'm not going to put the blame on Sonny Cumbie either there's there's a lot to do with execution and that's on the players and it, that, those particular two plays that's it, it wasn't executed there was no blocking and you know, they, Kenny's got to do a better job holding on to the ball. Maybe it's easy. It's easy for us to sit sit on our couches and watch, or sit in the press box and watch, and say, "Oh man, he should have done this, or he should have done that." In, in the heat of the moment, you're just trying to make plays for your team. When you're down by seven, you're trying to make plays. But Kenny's got to take that take that leadership that he's got now and, and the experience, and just maybe lose five yards instead of fumbling or, or, or throw the ball up into the stands as soon as he sees a guy on his face. Just make those decisions because there's quarterbacks out there in college football that do make those right decisions. The guys that get, as soon as they fake a handoff, there's pressure in their face, they'll throw it They'll throw it 10 yards out of the end zone just because they know that they can get away with it and, and, and they're, they're just trying to avoid a sack and that's what Kenny's got to learn to do. He's got to learn to avoid the sack a little bit better. When we're down there, um, when, when Kenny's rolling to his left, trying to hit Turpin on the play that got picked off and taken back 70 yards, that was just a snapshot of 2016. Is that what's what you're saying, Jeremy? That was a pass that looked exactly like the, the Kenny that we saw last year. Oh, yeah. It didn't seem, yeah. it didn't seem like he he's trying to force left. it, it into it, That ball, that, no, Turpin was there. The, Turpin, yes, he I was. Saw the play, I saw the play develop. I'm thinking, okay, Turpin's there. He's going to get He's going to get the first down. And – as, as soon as he threw it, I was like, "Oh boy!" It just it just looked like it came out of his hand wrong, and he he literally threw it to the defensive back that was just waiting there playing the zone coverage. But that was that was very reminiscent of 2016, where he's throwing balls very high. There was a couple passes later in the game that he was overthrowing some guys high. He I think it was another fourth quarter drive where I'm trying to remember who he overthrew over the middle and. It almost was intercepted. If the defensive back would have been paying attention, he probably would have got an interception. But it just, like I said, we could, we could talk about it all day long. But it it just really wasn't a good game for for Kenny Hill. And I know we're probably going to talk more about Kenny here in a minute. But um, I I'm not going to put the whole blame of the Iowa State loss on Kenny. Was he about seventy percent cause of it? Yes. I mean, that's, I'm going to be brutally honest. You can't have two turnovers inside your opponent's five yard line. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the difference of the game, especially in a one touchdown game. I don't quite know where to put the percentages on things. And, you know, I'm probably not, I'm definitely not qualified to do that, but he was, he was a piece of it. I, I, I had more concern about the play calling and why we're, why we're not feeding Darius Anderson and why we're not feeding Kyle Hicks. And um, that, that's a question that, that, that people above my pay grade are going to have to deal with, not, not, not this uh, young, dumb preacher. But why we weren't putting the ball in Darius Anderson's belly from the get-go and feeding that beast, especially in the fourth quarter, is the question that I think is going to be with us for this, for, for this season going forward. But Jeremiah, what what are your thoughts on on what 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 got us here? What got us here is in the loss. Yeah, or, yeah. I'm sorry, uh, I, I didn't ask that right. What, what is there anything we haven't lamented yet that I just want to kind of give you the floor to to, to weigh in on anything else? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one it's one game, you know, and I I try I don't want to put too much on one game. I mean, you did have everything in front of you. I mean, there's no way around it that they laid an egg, and I'm not going to blame it all on Kenny Hill. Like like Jeremy was saying, um, you win as a team and you lose as a team. Um, yeah, it's, it might be weighted certain you know certain amount for certain players each game more than others, but the fact is the offensive line wasn't good. Um, you know, the only the only thing I can look at that played well Saturday was the defense. So let's just mark it up. It was a bad day for the offense and a and a tough environment where. Uh, the crowd was really into it for Iowa State, and those guys came to play. I still say, talent-wise, Iowa State's nowhere close to what TCU is, but that doesn't matter. That's it, you know, talent doesn't always win football games; it's execution, and they didn't execute. Um, I don't see that being an issue. I, this is not the same team as last year. I'm going to keep saying that until they prove me wrong. Um, you got more leaders on this team. You have. You have guys that have went through those battles last year, and they've grown from it. So 
you got guys like DRS and, and Hicks and guys that, and you know Schlotman and you know even Patrick Morris, even though he's been injured, you've got these guys that are more leaders this year. And uh, I don't see this carrying on past one game. Uh, but I tell you what, if they do show up like this next week against Texas, it's going to be loss number two because that defense is legit. They may not be able to score enough points, but you might be looking at a ten to seven game. So TCU needs to put this one behind them. It's one game. They can still win the conference. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think Iowa State's going to go undefeated the rest of their schedule. So uh, that they would have multiple losses if that's the case. So all you can do is take it one game at a time, the old cliche, and uh, just put this one behind you. We better hope that I, yeah, I'm gonna, Iowa State needs to win out. <laughs> Iowa State needs to win out to make that loss look even better. Everyone should yeah, be, we're Daniel, gonna, we're gonna, Daniel, you need to become an Iowa State fan right now. On this podcast, we're gonna talk. you need to talk. You need to say that you're an Iowa State fan. That's uh, going to be really hard. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna come back to what what needs to happen and and who we're pulling for and all that kind of stuff here in a second. I want I want to I want to hit you up with this, Jeremy, because because it's probably best I don't answer this question first because I'm gonna uh, be emotional about it and be pretty ticked off. Obviously, Twitter fans are insane, present company excluded. And obviously, message boards are full of crazy people, aside from Hornfrog Blitz. But if I have to listen to another person say, we need to bench Kenny Hill, we should have Sean Robinson out there, he's screwed up this season, I'm going to put my hand through the drywall that's in front of me. What do you say to fans that have gone off the rails, that have uh, acted like that we're, we're, we're about to go 6-6 six and six again? Please bring a, a, a level of, of sanity to our unhinged, you, you know, a small but loud fan base. You know who those people are, right? Those are the people that have been secretly hoping that Kenny has a bad year because they've been telling all their buddies around the water cooler at the yes. bar, yes. hey, man, Kenny's man, he sucks, man, he sucks. See, I told you, man, I told you he sucks. No, Kenny Kenny is a big reason why this team was even 7-0 and to going up into Iowa State. Yeah, Kenny had a horrible game. Kenny had the worst game by far he's had this season, okay? There's still four games left in the regular season to get to overcome his mistakes from Iowa State. He can come back against Texas to throw five touchdowns. What are people going to say then? Oh, well, you know, Texas really sucks on defense. No, no, they don't. Now, if he comes out and has a bad game against Texas, then he has a bad game against uh, whoever's there, Oklahoma, it still doesn't take away what he was able to accomplish those first seven games of the year. He, he had 15 touchdowns to three interceptions. Listen to that. 15 touchdowns to three interceptions. Yeah, he he had a horrible game against Iowa State. I will be the first one to tell anyone that. I made it on my – I put it on my snap judgments. He he was not good. But for for those people to sit there and say, oh, we told y'all, we told y'all, where's all the Kenny Hill apologists now? You know what? Get the hell away. Just just Leave. Leave. I don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really don't want to read it anymore because, number one, you don't watch football worth a damn darn or damn crap. I'm going to ramble here. Okay, number two, just because you've been telling your buddies all year long that Kenny Hill sucks and he finally has his bad game does not make you right. Number one, the first seven games, you were dead wrong. Kenny Hill was a very uh, pivotal part of this team while they were 7-0, period. Get over it. Okay, get over it. He he was he was a very good quarterback the first seven games. Now he's had one bad ball game. You got four games to decide. Is he going to finish the season seven and five, or is he going to finish the season eleven and one and get TCU into a Big Twelve championship? I'm going to be first say I'm not a Kenny Hill apologist, but I am a football realist. And anyone that could sit there and say that Kenny Hill has sucked all year and this is what we've been expecting, just leave. Go see ya. See, ya. I don't want to. I don't want to read about your dumbass comments anymore. You know, uh, just to add a little more subtlety to your comments. There, <laughs> you know, there's a game that doesn't get talked about that I just want to highlight here. One touchdown, four interceptions, fifty-five quarterback rating, fifty-five quarter QBR. You know what game I'm talking about? I'm talking about Trevon Boykin at Oklahoma State in 2015 when we lost 49-29, to and he threw four interceptions. We do not camp out on that game. 
We do not lament that that's, that's the last time we had an undefeated season this late, and then we, we, blew, we blew a game on the road. And so nobody, nobody pegs that on, on Boykin. Now, I know he had the 14 season before that, and Kenny didn't have an equivalent 14 season, but here we are at 7-1, and one, and I, I just want to add my cosign to what you said about, um, you know, this is, we are not 7-1 and one without Kenny Hill. We're 4-3 we're and three without Kenny Hill. I think that's pretty safe for us to say. You know, we, lose, we definitely lose to West Virginia. Without without Kenny Hill, and we definitely lose to Oklahoma State without Kenny Hill. So if you don't if you don't think that he has gotten us to this point, or even worse, if you think we should trot out Sean Robinson to take on Todd Orlando's defense in his first snap of any significance, I I don't know what to say to you because there's just no way in the world that that's the smart thing to do. Do you remember what happened when Trevon Boykin came out as a redshirt freshman in his first start? We got beat by a 6-6 and Iowa State team that was not Matt Campbell. It was Paul Rhodes that had no business being in a bowl game, and we gifted it to him. So if you want to roll out uh, Sean Robinson to get his first taste against one of the best – they've got a bad offense, but they've got a great defense. I don't know – you know. I don't know what to tell you. And um, part of me is still kind of worked up, and I want everybody to calm down, including myself. But we're not where we are without Kenny Hill, and I cannot stand the cheap and shallowness of people's response. I lost 14 followers on Twitter in about 10 minutes yesterday, and I was kind of proud of that. you got to rally. And this, there's, that, it's the we in this, and we got to get behind this team. And you can acknowledge, as you've said, Jeremy, this was a terrible game for Kenny Hill, but without him, this game wouldn't have mattered. Let me ask this question. What what has Sean? No offense to Sean. Sean Sean's a great person. I, I love Sean to death. He's a great kid. I, I've been around him for golly four years. But what what part of Sean makes people think he's going to go out there and set the world on fire right now? What what have folks seen have, of Sean this year? Because Sam Ellinger's doing good at Texas as a freshman. Do, do y'all automatically think Sean's going to do the same for TCU? I mean, what what game was oh. it? Was it Kansas that he came in late in the game? And and oh, I mean, I, I mean, obviously they're running a vanilla offense, but there was even plays in the game where he came in maybe in a third quarter situation. Was it Kansas State that he came in on a third third and four and he barely got the four yard run? I mean, he doesn't look he doesn't look much faster than Kenny right now. We haven't really seen him throw. I mean, I know people are going to say. Well, heck, man, anyone could throw better than what Kenny's throwing out there. You should at least give Sean a chance. Now, if Kenny goes out there and just boom, 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 throws four or five interceptions in a row, yeah, okay, it's time. But TCU was partly inside the five-yard line at Iowa State because Kenny helped get him down there. That play to Desmond White, the 30-yard gain in the fourth quarter, he sat in the pocket. He waited patiently. as his best play of the game. He found Desmond White. Desmond White had a great catch and run down to the three-yard line. But that's the kind of patience Kenny need, needed to have. That was probably the only time that he really looked like the Kenny of this year instead of the Kenny of last year where he was really going through his progressions and looking at all of his options. And he finally saw Desmond White standing there alone. And lo and behold, he had time to throw and think, and he made a good play. But, yeah, I mean, just it, it, it's I'm as frustrated as you, Jeff, because I, I just don't see how people can give up on one person so easily. I just I just don't see it. Yeah, we can call out Kenny for being horrible yesterday all we want because the stats don't lie. You can't turn the ball over inside the five yard line and 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 not expect to be talked bad about. I mean that's that's going to come. But for people to just throw away what he's accomplished so far this year, I mean he was the number. I think he was the number one third down. Had the the highest third down completion percentage in college football. I mean come on. I mean, what has the guy got to do? Obviously, he's got to go out and win a national championship when, when people thought this team was going to be eight and four, or nine and three at best. I mean, that, that's remember what I said. Remember what I told you guys a few weeks ago. This would happen if TCU lost a game. It's 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 common nature. You gotta you gotta have a, a a guy to blame, and Kenny Hill obviously has become the guy to blame because he made the most mistakes yesterday. But there was a lot of mistakes offensively non-execution, holding penalties, play calling. There was a lot of things that contributed to that loss yesterday. And we still got four games to see if if that loss was really on Kenny. Is Kenny returned to his form from two, 2016, or is he going to bounce back and, and, and do what he's shown us through the first seven games of the season?
Jeff, you're on mute if you didn't know. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I've been rambling on here. I apologize. <laughs> hey, Daniel, All make right. sure you get the, All right, uh, edit that out. All right. Don't worry. That's ready? why I let it go for so long so I can find it easily. Okay. Okay. You ready? You say that about Sam. I don't want I don't want uh, Sean to go out there to, to get hit and tossed to the wolves like Sam Ellinger is this year. I want him to be eased in. Now, in August, if they would have said, we're going to go with Sean Robinson, I would have been fine with it. But here we are, 7-1. and one. Of course we're going go to go with Kenny Hill. And if he, and he doesn't play well against Texas, then what are you going to do? Give Sean Robinson his first start on the road at Oklahoma? No, this is Kenny Hill's team, and he's gonna ta- we're going to go as far as he can take us. And so far, he's been able to take a 7-1 and one, top 10 team. We're going to stay with him, and I'm going to I'm going to stand by that. Now, I got about a thousand other things I want to say about that, but I'm I'm kind of worked up, so I'm going to take a deep breath here. Uh, Jeremiah, you got any uh, editorial comment to add to that, my friend? Yeah, you know, I responded to a couple of those comments on the board today about Kenny, and I'm just going to reiterate what you guys said. I'm on the same page as you guys. You know, uh, you're not seven and one without him, and uh, was it an ugly game? Yes. As long as it doesn't tell, you know, tell spin here into uh, three or four losses in a row, then you're fine. But you don't, like you said, you don't just throw Sean Robinson to the wolves. I think Sean Robinson is going to be a good quarterback at TCU. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I just, I just don't know that this is the time to do. Actually, I do know this is not the time to do that. So um, stick with Kenny Hill. He got you to this point, And uh, you just, hey, I, I look, it's all going to be forgiven next week when they beat Texas again. And they're Again. eight and one, and they're five and one in conference, and they're heading to OU for another big showdown. So um, I just think fans need to take a deep breath. It was one game, and uh, they still got everything in front of them that they want. They can still win a Big Twelve title. Yeah, I'll, uh, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. I agree with you, and all those things can be true. He's our quarterback. This is his team, and he had a terrible game. All those things can be true at the same time. Can all of that is true at the same. You can make two. Okay. <clears throat> well, in order to further calm people down, and I'm pretty sure I'm right on this, since the for the playoff, quote-unquote, has started, I don't think anyone has won it that hasn't lost one game. Correct. So technically still possible. Um, everyone else that's won it has lost a game. So there you go. There's still lots of things that could happen between now and the 1st of December. I mean, teams can lose. You got to have Oklahoma State. It would it would be great for Oklahoma State to keep winning in Iowa State. But, I mean, there's still a lot of movement that can happen. Uh, there, I was looking through all the top 10 team schedules today. There's still plenty of teams that could go down at any point in the month of November. So it's it's still a lot of, lot of football left. If TCU can win out, control their own destiny and, and let the others tumble, tumble where they may, then you know, we might be talking about a TCU perennial top four team in, in the, the final week where they uh, announce the playoffs. So we'll see. Here's where let, – let's shift gears here. Let's look at what, what's going to happen over the next month. We have – you know, this weekend we have Bedlam. So Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are playing. Both have one loss. One of them is going to end up with two losses, obviously. The next week, TCU goes to Norman, and then I don't know where the game is at, but Oklahoma State plays Iowa State the week after that. And so we're going to have, you know, it's going to get narrowed down pretty quick there. Iowa State still has Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. And so there, there's a chance that they might uh, stumble in one of those. And so I would – obviously there's going to be – the only way that there's two one-loss teams in the Big 12 title game is if TCU wins out and Oklahoma State wins out. That is the best-case scenario for building our portfolio to be the, a representative in the college football playoff is for us to beat, again, a one-loss Oklahoma State team that will have beaten Oklahoma, that would have beaten Oklahoma – and beaten Iowa State, so and beaten Kansas State, so that's kind of how things are unfolding. There's lots of pathways. We we probably need something to happen, but I don't even think we're going to need that much. If we went out, I don't see any reason why we can't be in the college football playoff because I think the Pac-12 is out. 
I think the ACC is weak. I think Notre Dame's going to get beat, and uh, I think we're going to. I think we still control our destiny, and it doesn't matter if we don't keep winning. So that's that's where I think this Big Twelve title game is going to actually help us. I think this is it was designed for this to get that extra you know top ten win at the end of the season. Everybody can kind of lament the rematch, but how awesome would it be to have Oklahoma State say the only games they lost are when they played TCU? That would be great for our portfolio. That would be great for our resume. So those are all the things that. You, that are floating around here. You pull for that however you want. What do you guys see unfolding in the next few weeks in the Big 12? Well, I was looking at Iowa State's schedule. They've got West Virginia at West Virginia next week, and then they've got Oklahoma. Oh, okay, Oklahoma. Okay. They got Oklahoma State at home, and then they go to they go to Baylor and then Kansas State. But I, I'm thinking Oklahoma State's going to beat Oklahoma this week. And if TCU can get back on track and, and get a win over Texas, because Oklahoma's defense is really suspect. I mean, they they have trouble. They they have trouble stopping the run. They have trouble stopping the pass. I think if TCU can can beat Texas, it gets a little bit more confidence in them going up to Norman. And I think the defense is going to keep TCU in every single game left on their schedule. It's it's the offense right now. Can the offense move the ball? The offense can, can move the ball. If you just take away the, the, the two knucklehead mistakes, just just think about taking those things away. It's a different ball game. You're talking about an Iowa State or TCU 8-0 team beating Iowa State. I think TCU has the defense to make it to the Big 12 championship. Their offense is questionable right now. I've got to be reconvinced. Um, I, I would say that when you only score, uh, I mean, I actually, you, when you score zero touchdowns as an offense, that, that makes you get that way. I'm sorry. I mean, you, you just can't have a whole lot of confidence and that, and that makes it, you know, it, it makes me kind of sensitive to the guys that are complaining about Kenny, because I know there's not a whole lot of optimism with how he played against Iowa state for him to do better. But I look back at the other games he's had where he's played on the road and, and, and done well. So I'm thinking that Kenny will show up. But I think if the offense can can click again, then TCU controls its own destiny. I think the defense, like I said before, has has a has the best defense in the Big 12, and, and it will take them as far as the offense wants to uh, tag along with them. But I think Oklahoma State, man, I think if they beat Oklahoma, they've got a clear path to the Big 12 championship game. I'm going to be rooting for the Cyclones because that's the only loss for TCU right now as long as TCU keeps winning and Iowa State keeps winning. Wouldn't that be a great rematch to see? Because Iowa State, I don't think, wants any part of, any part of uh, TCU again. So I think if uh, – I'm going to be rooting for Iowa State, to be honest with you, fellas. I like Matt Campbell. I've always been on his bandwagon. But – I really want Iowa State to win out because even if they've got two losses right now, they're six and two. But if they go into the Big 12 championship with a ten and two record, they're going to be in the top ten. They're going to be in the top ten. So oh, yeah. it, it, they'll be in the yeah, top eight. And TCU's going to be obviously in the top top ten. So with them getting a win over a top ten team, it should propel TCU into the top four, in my opinion. Oh. Jeremiah, your thoughts on that? Well, I. I'm just going to say something about the Big 12 in general. Uh, I think I mentioned it last week or the week before last. I saw this on a message board, and you couldn't describe the Big 12 any better this year. It's a mosh pit. Every, there, there's going to be multiple teams lose to other teams that we don't expect right now. Like, I'm actually thinking West Virginia could knock off Iowa State this week. So, yes, I, I think I do think uh, Oklahoma State's going to beat Oklahoma, but I also think TCU's going to beat Oklahoma. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting down the stretch. Um, it really is going to be – I mean, that last game of the year in Lubbock could end up being huge, you know. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, it's still too early. There's, these last four games, there's so much riding on it for all these different teams. There's legitimately four – I think four teams that have a shot at this thing. So, um, maybe five. Let's see. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Iowa State TCU. TCU. So, four. So, yeah, I mean, it, it really could. There's so many things that could still happen. One loss is one loss. Put it behind you. Keep going forward. Um, I, it's going to be a fun last four weeks. That's all I know. If you really want to chase a rabbit a rabbit hole, what if uh, Jacob Park, the former starting quarterback at Iowa State, had not left the program? Or maybe he'd left the program the week before and they'd have been able to play Texas 
you know, I think they would have beat Texas with 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 what they're rolling out there now. So yeah. it's it's really weird. I mean, you know, I, I I I can say this as a fan and an Iowa native. I'm really I'm really glad to see Iowa State as a competitive program because their fans are great. They're you know they 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 put fifty four thousand in the stands regardless of, of their record. So they're they're good fans. And Matt Campbell, I agree with you. He's a, he's a good coach, and people saying he's going to jump ship this year. I just don't think that's true. I think he's good. If this is what he's able to do in his second year, I think if he starts to get some more of his guys in, he he feels confident. He's not worried about going to Norman. He's not worried about playing TCU. So I'll be interested to see how things unfold there this this off season, especially with some of the big coaching changes that got made today. They're, so, they're six and two. We'll, uh, they, we'll, they've lost. We'll on to that. They've lost two games by a combined thirteen points. Yeah. They should have beat Iowa. They had Iowa beat. They had Iowa double-digit lead in the fourth quarter, and they blew that. Yeah, if they had one loss to Texas, they would be number six, number seven right now. They'd probably be one of the highest one-loss teams, other than, of course, Ohio State, who automatically is number one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we've talked around this for a, for a while here. Um, let, let's let's kind of transition here. We got We got the Longhorns this Saturday night. Hopefully everybody can kind of take another day and get their sports grief, un, you know, unpacked. Hopefully the stages of grief will work. You'll work through because man, we got a big game this Saturday night. There's no rest in the Big 12. We're hosting Texas. They they put some points on the board. I know it was Baylor, but they did what what uh, West Virginia couldn't do. They did what Oklahoma couldn't do, which was put away Baylor and knock them down and keep them down. So I will be interested to see what what we're able to do. We need to get out there. We're going to have a ton of recruits on campus. We got a night game at the Carter, and I'm I'm, I'm hoping that we our fans can bounce back because I think this team is going to bounce back. That's just that's just my gut. And you know, I read the tweet from John Diars this morning that said, "Hey, we needed this. You're not going to see what you saw yesterday ever again." And I kind of believe it. I think he's the he's the leader of this team. Jeremy, set the stage for us coming into Eamon Carter this Saturday as the the Frogs are hosting the Longhorns. What's it going to take to beat uh, uh, Grill Tom, or Tom Grill Herman in his first trip to Fort Worth? Well, you got to not have zero points as an offense again. I mean, you've got to run the football. Uh, you've you've got to spread them out a little bit. They're they're a little suspect. Um, giving up some good runs. I watched, I watched Baylor, the Baylor game a little bit, you know, it's, it's hard to judge the Baylor game, but, um, they, they do give up some runs. Um, they're very aggressive on defense. I think this might be a game where TCU might actually try to attack them vertically. Um, they have great defensive backs. I'm not going to downplay the defensive backs they have. I mean, Holton Hill is a really good player. Uh, the Deshaun Elliott, the safety, he's got six interceptions, six interceptions. He's a ball hawk. I mean, he's wherever the ball is, he seems to be close by. The guy has six interceptions, but I guarantee four of them are off tip passes. I mean, that's he always seems to be around the ball. He reminds me a lot of Chris Hackett, just not not overly explosive speed wise, but just has a knack to finding the ball and he's always in the right spot. But uh, the secondary's the secondary is pretty good. I, Kenny, if he throws vertical, that's that's his weakness. I mean, he's got to connect on some of those deep balls. But Kyle Hicks and Darius Anderson, it needs to be a one-two punch, guys. I mean, it really does. I mean, that's that's the thing that was kind of missing last week. They need to continue to ride that train. If one of them gets tired, bring the other one in. If that other one gets tired, bring Shawo in. Keep running the football. An offensive line, you've got to block up front. You've got to block in the middle. You've got to have – uh, consistency. You can't get holding penalties. You can't get holding penalties. That are going to stop a drive. Those are those are things that they've had a hard time overcoming the whole season. Once they get a penalty on a drive, it, it it's very hard for them to overcome. So it, it, if they can move the ball offensively, I think the defense is going to be just fine. I, it, Shane Bouchelle, Sam Allinger, whoever it is, TCU is going to have a good game plan for the quarterback. They're going to throw a lot of different things their way as a defense probably a lot of different blitz packages and they've got a they've the, the thing that really concerns me with this game that was kind of uh brought to everyone's attention this past game is colin johnson is six foot six on the outside okay alan lazard is six foot five six foot four and we had you know the, the secondary had a heck of a time covering alan lazard so there's no doubt in my mind, they're going to be throwing the football to Colin Johnson time after time after time because TCU's cornerbacks aren't very big compared to the Texas receivers. Not only Colin Johnson, but John Burt, he's another big body receiver. So got to defend the vertical pass, but I think the run defense will be fine and 
We'll see how it goes. I mean, every time I think TCU's going to have a tough time against Texas, they blow them out. So maybe I'll say again, you know, TCU's going to have a tough time with Texas. Maybe they'll get the blowout win. Well, it'd be nice to go four for four, four straight double-digit wins. No reason we can't do that. You know, I was flipping through hit Twitter here when you were talking, Jeremy, like I usually do, not paying attention to you. And it looks like Sam has been cleared to play. He has passed. He and Shackelford have both passed uh, concussion protocol, and they're they're cleared to play. Tony L. Carter has not been cleared yet, so I know he had a head injury in the Baylor game, and he, he had a pretty good game, so be curious to see how they're able to prepare and scheme for that. Jeremiah, what do you think are the big keys to, to beating Texas? What do you think we need to do on defense specifically to be able to deal? I know that they have kind of a struggling offense, but what, what do the Frogs need to do to continue to have that oppressive defense that's suffocating, as we've heard, against the Longhorns? Don't change anything. I, I honestly, I wouldn't change a thing. Their defense is playing lights out right now. Um, they are completely suffocating people right now. I don't see Texas being able to score many points at all. Um, I think if TCU scores twenty-one points, they win the game. So um, I could see a twenty-four to seventeen or a twenty-one to ten top game again. Um, look, guys, this Texas defense is legit. Anybody on the board that doesn't believe this, just go. Take your, take your purple goggles off for a minute. Just go watch some film. Watch some of these games. These guys are playing as a unit, and they're very physical. They're very athletic. And Herman's got them playing well. Well, Todd Orlando has them playing very well. Um, but I just I look at TCU's defense, and I feel like they're really starting to gel. And the debate on who's the better defense, I, I don't know. I, I would give me TCU's defense right now. I understand that Texas is very physical, but I like what TCU's doing. I like the uh, the different blitz packages that I'm seeing from Patterson in the last couple of games that I'm not used to seeing. So he's mixing it up. He trusts his defense. He's dialing up some some nice pressure, and uh, I think it's going to be a long day for the Texas offense. I really do. And uh, you went you score 21 points, you win the game. So run the football, play defense, win again against Texas. So I think that's the recipe. Doesn't inside of all of us. Don't at some point we just want to stand up and scream, run the damn ball, Sonny. That's what well, I Well, I, I would never say that out loud. I know you wouldn't. You've already – we've all cursed on this podcast already, so we'll we'll get an expletive from iTunes. Jeremiah, it's going to be a big – Jeremy, it's going to be a big recruiting night for the Frogs. I know that this is the game that they had circled on the calendar to get a lot of uh, guys on campus. There's going to be a lot of commits that show up, hopefully some other big names. Are there any official visits, anything that you know? I know that um, as we get closer to game time, you'll post that on the board. But what do we expect from, um, on the recruiting front this this Saturday at Eamon Carter? Well, like I said, we'll know more of the names later on this week. I know Tejon Henry's going to be up there for an official visit. Uh, there's not very many targets left for 18, so I'm imagining there's probably going to be a, a good list of 2019 kids on campus. It wouldn't be a bad thing to try to have some of the – current commits for Texas on campus and some of those guys that they were targeting like Deshaun Jameson or uh, some of these other targets that they have to, you know, try to try to get some uh, exposure for their program in person. And what better way to make them think about TCU if, if TCU goes out there and lays the hammer again on them. So uh, I think it's going to be a pretty big weekend, not knowing the names, just because the people I've talked to for several weeks have always have, have been telling me that, Texas is the game that they want a lot of the, the big name recruits to attend and some of the official visitors to come in. So I would expect by Wednesday or th- not by Wednesday, but Thursday, maybe early Friday, that we'll have a better list of guys that are going to be coming in. And like I always do, I try to get those names out by Thursday evening or Friday morning to, to let the board know who all's coming in. That's good to know. Um, I know that we say this almost every week, but if you're not logged on to Hornfrog Blitz, you need to. If you're not a member yet, you are missing out. We just give a little snapshot of recruiting at the end of these podcasts. You got daily content on there, guys talking, people that uh, know what they're doing, like Jeremy and Jeremiah, as well as other folks that uh, take this stuff seriously that are always looking for little tips and pointers on Twitter and what you read on other boards. If you love recruiting and you love TCU football, you've got to be a member of Hornfrog Blitz. You'll be, you'll be, you're, you're missing out on the good stuff if you're not. Um, if you're not. Let me just put a couple of uh, questions to you here, uh, Jeremy and Jeremiah. Tell me what you tell me what you know about some things on recruiting front. 
We got a crystal ball from one of our national riders for Jamar Chase from Florida to TCU. Now, I know that this has been a, a national saga. He was going to commit on, on the NFL Network. Everybody knew he was going to commit to TCU. We obviously had uh, an LSU uh, alum that was running the, the, the camera feed. Um, at least that's the conspiracy theory. But anyway, he wasn't able to commit on his, his spot got bumped. He wasn't able to commit. Eventually, he didn't commit to TCU. He didn't commit to LSU. He committed to Florida. And they fired their head coach today in one of the weirder unfoldings of a, of a coach firing I have seen in a long, long time. But now people are saying Jamar Chase is looking at TCU, and people in the know say maybe he's not going to be looking at LSU. Is there anything that you know, Jeremy, that would be worth sharing with us other than what we can read online? And um, what, what are some of the tea leaves that you might be reading right now on that front? I mean, obviously, if there's a coach firing, you're going to have recruits looking around. And I know TCU's still been actively recruiting Jamar pretty good, and he's listening still. And uh, the, he's one of those guys that they're still trying to get up for an official visit. And it, it could come as early as this week. We'll see. But I, I know as far as uh, TCU is concerned, they've still been keeping him warm, guys. I mean, that's all I could tell you. I mean, he's they haven't given up. That's the that's the best way I can describe it. And, and, and the good news is he hasn't stopped listening. I think everyone kind of scratched their head a little bit when he committed to Florida because no one really saw it coming. Everyone was predicting TCU or LSU. And I've talked to everyone that was up in Oregon when he was going to announce on the NFL Network. Everyone knew it was TCU. It was already being joked about. It was a 100% chance TCU was going to be the place where he was going. LSU's still in the picture, too. LSU's going to be in the picture because they're the home state program, and they've been recruiting them pretty hard, too. But it, I think it's going to go down to uh, a LSU-TCU battle in the end. And I know Justin and those guys are still working them pretty hard as for, uh, you know from a recruit perspective and yeah i think he's still gonna matter of fact i'm not even gonna say i think i I know he's gonna end up making an official visit to tcu i just don't know the exact date yet gotcha do you think that that's gonna shake uh, aaron brule loose at at all or is he is he not coming to fort worth that's a good question because they are looking for another linebacker still um and if if he's a guy that wants to kind of show TCU that he's very interested in coming there, then then obviously they may take a look and if it gets if it gets Jamar on campus too, then heck yeah, they they would most definitely take Aaron. Okay. That's one of the things I was curious about. That's one of those forgotten recruits that kind of got lost in the suffer in the summer and uh a lot of things changed. So be interested to see if he kind of loops back around and because I, I know he would be a great talent at linebacker. I know he would be a great talent at linebacker. Well, I didn't get a chance to uh, really post for recruiting questions this week. I didn't know if you guys had anything else that's worth sharing on our podcast before we kind of start to wrap things up here tonight. Anything, uh, anything else that our listeners would like to know? I think we should debate uh, Jeremiah's uh, crystal ball for Terrace Marshall. Okay. I heard he switched. I heard he very reluctantly switched it from TCU to LSU. I did. He's going to love all the downfield blocking he's going to get to do at LSU. <laughs> he does not I mean, want to elaborate on that at all. <laughs> Look, I, I was very confident in what I was being told, and um, those same people that were telling me that are still saying there's a chance. Um, knowing some things that I know now, I'm going to say there's not a chance. So I – Finally, reluctantly made my switch and uh, have him going to LSU. Now, I could see him ending up at Florida State, LSU, uh, any other Alabama, A&M. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't see it being, being TCU at all at this point. Okay. Okay. Well, I've, I've still got some hopes in that front, but we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. Kind of wrap it up, I just want to highlight some things that happened across the, the country this week. Uh, looks like Butch Jones is about to get fired. He lost to Kentucky. Uh, Butch Jones is going is, is basically gone, if not formally. I saw a tweet before I got on here that it was almost formal. Jim McElwain got fired at Florida. Aggie fans want Kevin Sumlin out the door right away. They got, they got beat by Mississippi State, and it looks like they're, they're heading back to that uh, typical Aggie November crash. So they just start a couple weeks early. So it looks like those three guys are going to be gone. I have a feeling Brett Bielema is going to be gone. That's going to be four SEC jobs that will be open. So that's going to be interesting to see things happen on the coaching front. Tech got beat by uh, OU. 
they are really kind of settling in to uh, what we all thought they were going to be. They beat Arizona State in Houston, which I didn't think they would do, but they've done almost exactly to chalk what I thought they'd do in the Big 12. So maybe Cliff's going to get fired. Uh, do you guys see anybody of note going for those jobs? Do you think Matt Campbell's going to move? Who do you think could make their way to Tech? That's kind of open-ended, but what do you guys see on the coaching front nationally? That's worth uh, commenting on before we wrap Gary up. I Patterson is going to Tennessee. Oh, I heard that they're going to back up the Brinks truck. Well, there's no way TCU can match what an SEC team would, would pay, so they, they, oh, they should no, gosh, they, no no way. Way. go ahead and no throw way. in the towel and just know that's, he's going to the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Doesn't Vanderbilt pay more than Texas? Well, they're SEC, so yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I thought. I think I – think, yeah, I think some of those teams would be fools for not at least going up to Iowa State and gauging Matt Campbell's interest. I, I mean, Scott Frost is going to go to Nebraska, I think. He's going to be that's leading the, That's the home run hire right there. I love Matt Campbell, but Scott Frost is a freaking yeah. home run hire, man. You know, Flor- yeah. Florida needs to hire Scott Frost. Well, that's that's a name a lot of the Florida fans want is Scott Frost. Or they want Chip Kelly to come out of retirement and be the guy, so – I mean, I, I think Chip Kelly's going to be on college a college sideline next year. I don't know where it's going to be, but I think he'll be somewhere. UCLA. College football again. He's going to be at UCLA. Think so? That's that's my take. I think there's going to be a lot of jobs. There's going to be a lot of jobs coming open. And not not to be like a a Debbie Downer for for Sonny, but I was kind of glad that he uh, had a bad game yesterday because maybe he. <laughs> He's not uh, he's not being discussed because if TCU would have went thirteen and zero and been in the top four, I mean, oh. you might have had some of those schools coming after Sonny right away, and they still may they still may come after him um, because he's such a such a good good dude and you know obviously a good coach. So uh, I think his time's coming to be a head coach somewhere. He's he's you know who he, he who he is. He's Justin Fuente, guys. He's he you know Justin didn't have any head coaching experience when he took over at Memphis and. Man, look at what he's done. Look at Virginia Tech, man. I know. Look at look look at what he's done to that program up there, and look what he did at Memphis. So, Sonny's the same kind of guy, in my opinion, just a hard worker, uh, and, and people love him, and he's going to be successful wherever he goes. And and hopefully for TCU fans, for you guys, you know, Gary Patterson retires five years from now, Sonny's still the OC, and he just walks in and, and takes over the head coaching position. But I'm not sure that's going to last that long if they if they keep continuing to to play as well as they they have uh, within the last two or three years that Sonny's been around. Yeah. You know the thing about Fuente that's worth noting, he followed the legend that built the program. And so, you, oh, yeah. I mean, being able to do that is almost impossible. And he's he's just walked right in and, you know, look at, look at what he's done. Got him the ACC title game his first year. They're on track to get to the ACC title game this year. They're going to probably finish in the top 15 um, the regular season the way they're playing. He's he has really got them rolling, and he's a good fit at Virginia Tech, from from what I've been able they're, to tell. They're they're a state school, but they're they're in the similar mold of TCU. And they're going to beat Miami. So if you're a big, if if you're a big school, do you go back at do you go back after Charlie Strong? Do you go after Charlie Strong? What he's doing at UCF or USF this year? If I'm if you know who should hire Charlie Strong, Old Miss. They need they yeah. I th- I think so. I think I mean he's got a no knucklehead approach. He he seems like a stand-up guy. I know he had some legal stuff that seemed like some dirty laundry being aired, but I think he would be a great guy to follow Hugh Freeze. I, I you know, he knows how to recruit. He knows how, he's won when he's been in the SEC before. He won at Louisville. Um you can debate why he hasn't why he didn't win at Texas, but you know, he, he obviously knows how to win, and I think they need somebody that can kind of be the bridge for them to, to their future and kind of drag them out of the bottom. And if they've got recruit, if they've got more recruiting restrictions, Charlie, Charlie Strong knows how to recruit. He knows how to get kids to make a commitment to a good program and want to come build something. I, I, think, I think Ole Miss should hire Charlie. That's, Does that's he my take. call escorts from his office phone? He only does that uh, like Hugh does. He 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 tweet a Bible verse and then he call the escort on oh, the same okay. phone. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's true, dude. Nothing, you know, nothing, you... nothing boils my blood like that kind of hypocrisy. I'm I'm not saying you have to be perfect because you ain't, but that ticks me off. Go ahead. 
You know, you know who else might be a, a hot name to watch out for? Mike Leach. Oh, I would love Mike Leach at a place that's got a big microphone and a lot of beat beat writers. That would be awesome. That would be. I don't. You know why nobody's going to hire him? Because he's still inviting people to protests on the campus of Texas Tech to get his two point one million dollars <laughs> from two thousand nine. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. He's he's wanting to fight sovereign immunity laws of the state of Texas because he's got. He said he's got a private investigator snooping around on the administrators that hosed him out of a couple million bucks. Yeah, that's not going to fly at Tennessee. That's not going to fly at Arkansas. I kind of wish. You know who Arkansas should hire? I was Go just going to say, I kind of wish he quit football and just do like a TV show where he just talks all day. I would watch it nonstop. I would too. I would watch that. No, there's going to be. I think there's going to be a raid on a lot of the 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 non Power Five conference schools this year for coaches. Well, Mike Norvell like a, is going to go from yeah. Memphis. That's who I. That's exactly who I was going to say. And I, if, if Arkansas needs to hire Chad Morris, Scott Frost. Uh, that's did my, they end up winning oh, yeah. that game the other yeah. night? They did. They they they, 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 they did. They don't miss. Yes. So they're six. They're six and two now, right? Yeah, Chad Morris. Chad Morris. Oh, oh man, yeah, you're talking about SMU. I think. Yeah, yeah Chad Morris. Uh, the fact that he's turned SMU into a six-win program. What That's he's amazing. done the last getting them back to a bowl game, man, yeah, he needs to be on every college vacancies top five list. No matter who they are, he needs to be considered in that top five of candidates that they have. Yes, I mean that guy is just a remarkable coach. I thought Baylor should have hired him last Did year. Did anyone see? Oh, they should. Have. I, I would, I'm glad they didn't. I'm much happier with Matt Rule myself. Um, Anyone see Gerald Ford Stadium uh, shots on TV the other night? <laughs> oh man! Oh, I was telling my telling my nine year old son about that because he was talking about all the people at the games, and I was saying it, it, we we're watching the the SMU game on Friday, and he's like, "Man, there's where's all the people at?" I said, "This SMU game, son. I just not a, not a whole lot of fan base there." <laughs> Man, they suck. <laughs> Jeremiah's the only one that knows how my son talks, so he he uh, he would take great uh, humor in that comment. I could definitely yeah. hear him saying something along those lines. That's funny. Yeah, they didn't have anybody there. I, they I didn't have know. anybody. Now, I know it's a Friday night in Texas. Yeah, but, man. but in the middle of Dallas, I mean, I don't even know if there's a thousand people there. And they won. It's not, and they're good. It's not. It's, it's not like the old SMU. It's insane. That's what's depressing for Chad Morris because he's done such a good job. Now we will say it was pretty, pretty darn cold here Friday night, Jeff. It yeah. was football weather, mind you, but it was still cold outside. But man, when when SMU made a good play, you can you could barely hear the fans. So you knew. I mean, honestly, Daniel said a thousand. There was probably, I would say, probably. Maybe seven to eight thousand people there at that game. I mean, it was not yeah, crowded at 1, all. I was... There was a shot in the end zone. There was a shot in the end zone. You could literally see two people sitting side by side, and then the the next closest person was thirty feet away. Well, that was the players' parents section. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Daniel. That's great, man. That is great. Well, I think when we're uh, when we're putting down the players' parents, we've kind of reached the bottom of the barrel. So I think we'll wrap it up here. <laughs> Hopefully, this gave you some uh, some emotional and cathartic relief from the loss to Iowa State. I'm going to say this again. I say this every week. Get out there to the stadium. It's going to be so, the, the lights are going to be on at Amon Carter. The Carter at night. We're hosting Texas. Four straight year of a double digit beatdown is what we're hoping for. We need everybody there. We need you to be loud. We need to put on a good show for recruits that are going to be there. This season is not over. If you're one of those lame fans that thinks that the season's over with, or I can't believe that this is where we're at, just I'm going to co-sign with with Jeremy. Just knock it off. Get out of my timeline. Get out of my face. I hope we're going to. I hope you're there Friday Saturday night because the frogs are going to put a beat down on texas at least in my professional unbiased opinion as an objective journalist we're going to pound them so i'm going to leave it i'm going to leave it at that i say we yeah it's we it's me it's me and uh, austin up front on the offensive line but i'm looking forward to that this weekend there's going to be a lot going on in the big 12 this is a great weekend for the big 12 
Bedlam. We've got the, obviously, we've got Iowa State, West Virginia. We've got TCU, Texas. This is a big, big deal. Um, get out there and encourage the, the, the frogs. They deserve it. If you haven't yet, please go follow us on iTunes. Uh, when you rate us and when you subscribe to us and when you leave a rating and a review, it drives us up in the, in the numbers and it helps people to find us. Our downloads continue to explode. We are at record downloads for the fourth straight week. If you see us on social media, on Facebook or on Twitter, please share that. If you're on some of the Facebook groups, please post it in there for us. We would love for more people to know about this podcast because I don't even know how you can be a fan and not listen to this. I think I'm correct. So as always, for Jeremy, for Jeremiah, and for Daniel, I'm Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.